It's Mattress Firm's semi-annual sale, where you can save up to $300 on our top-rated brands like Sealy and Sleepies. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 on Sealy. Or buy Tempur-Pedic and get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Shop Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and more with our sleep experts today to find your best sleep. Only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. This is Kim Meyer, host of Choose to Rise. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. example of what this month's theme is all about sure um but before we dive into all of that we're gonna just start with the easy stuff awesome (laughs) where are you from i'm from san diego san diego yeah originally yeah Yeah. and did you live there your whole life until you got to colorado no uh, i lived there till 18 so when i was younger i kind of like moved around a whole lot but i say i was like established in san diego around fourth grade fifth grade um and then at 18 i just turned 18 september 8th and was getting ready to go to college and you know mentally preparing for it fubu was really hot back then i don't know if you know fubu it's a clothing brand uh, right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i remember it. Uh, they were really like popular back then and so my understanding was all right if these guys can do it and it stood for for us by us mm-hmm. you know four black brothers from new york created uh, their clothing line and it became really popular so my mindset was awesome. They could do it in Calif- in New York, then one guy could do it in California. Uh, so I thought that I was gonna go to FITM, which is Fashion Fashion Institute Design and Merchandising School. Um, mm-hmm. So I was kind of like preparing for that. And then I turned 18 September 8th, uh, 2001. And then three days later, 9-11 happened, wow. uh, September 11th. And uh, I felt like, okay, well, if people are trying to uh, sabotage our freedoms like maybe it's my job or you know collectively our the nation's job to stop that uh, to combat it so uh, six days after 9-11 I joined the military and um, 9-17 I was lining up for in processing wow uh, and then the military kind of took me you know all over the world Europe and um, and then my last duty station was in Texas, so I was in Texas for a little while. Then I got out and decided to stay there and go to school there. Uh, so I did. I graduated from the University of UTEP and moved back to San Diego after I graduated. And uh, five years later, I moved out here off of um, some prominent figures in this uh, city. They requested my wife and I to come out and kind of like help develop the city in certain aspects with music, which is my lane, and through domestic violence, which is her lane. Mm -hmm. Uh, They asked us just to come, you know, see what you guys can do to the city. Uh, So we came out one time and they introduced us to a lot of 
um, big wig people and it was just really great you know good interaction then we went home we were here for like four days went home and then um, they called us out again and basically they called us out four times over the span of a year and we got to see each season and each time we came they kept saying you guys should move here you guys should move here uh, and then the last time we were here visiting I performed at the Broadmoor uh, with uh, an organization for their 40th annual gala and it was in front of 800 of the city's dignitaries and uh, the next day we just went and found an apartment wow yeah <laughs> like really random and and just decided to make the move and we felt like it would be a big leap of faith if we did that and uh, it was and you know anytime you take a big jump you're gonna experience some hardships and some uncomfortableness yeah um, naturally right naturally yeah <laughs> um, but we were able to push through and um and now we're th i'd like to say that we're thriving in the city but we're not where i want to be yet but we're at a really strong place right now in the city and i'm yeah really pr proud of where we're at yeah it's amazing you all have only been here how long have you been here two years two years yeah and it feels like you're everywhere already. <laughs> You're doing so many things. Both of you are just so involved in the community. Yeah, I, I think that's what's really special about what we did in San Diego is uh, we were just involved, but we had to have more of that California hustle because at San Diego's eighth largest city in the country and everybody's hustling, everybody's moving. And, um, and we felt like, okay, let's just take that same mentality and bring it here to Colorado Springs and let's see what happens and she hustles in her way I hustle in my way and um, a lot of times people don't know that we're together you know like mm -hmm. especially because we recently got married so it's just oh my fiance or my girlfriend you know things like that and um, once people started recognizing that we were each other's spouses they're like wait a minute I've seen her all over the place you know and then they're like wait no I've seen him in all the music venues and you know and, yeah. it, and it becomes like this really special thing that people are like yo you guys are a power couple. Yeah, power I'm, couple alert. I'm not really one to like say stuff like that, you know, but um, but like that's what people say a lot because mm -hmm. they see the impact that both her and I have. And it's, yeah, it's true. You guys are always doing something. It's really special. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So let's talk about your journey as a musician. What drew you to music, and how did you grow to where you are today? Great question. Uh, so my mom is a music director or was a music director growing up so music was like always around everything that I did and she always had us like doing musical stuff so even when we were younger we were like the only kids in the hood singing the sound of music and you know like old school songs Mary Poppins and um, and I didn't realize at the time that she was teaching us music theory like the the essence of uh, the foundation blocks for speaking the language of music. Then as I got older, 9, 10, 11, 12, um, and she's like making us play in, in the church and you know, if the drummer's missing, I'm the drummer. If the organ is, organist is missing, I'm the organ player. It, you know, like yeah. if the trumpet is missing, I'm the trumpeteer today. Like it, it was like that. And um, what I started realizing at a young age was that if I play these certain chords, uh, it evokes a certain emotion in the person that's listening to these chords. We'll be at church and um, it's like praise and worship, right? And you play certain types of music while people are, are worshiping and the tears start flowing. And as a little kid, I started recognizing that it was it was the music that was ushering in the worship. And uh, when I realized the impact of that, I started recognizing that that was 
that was my way of expressing. And so a lot of people love music and I love music, you know, just like everybody else, but I love pizza, but I can't eat pizza every day, you know? I create music or I do music because I feel like there's no other way for me to express my emotions. Um, so like I, it's, some people say it's a necessity, but like it's a necessity for me. Like I have to release these emotions. If not, it, I don't know who I would be or what I would become. Uh, so just kind of the journey. I wanted to do music even while I was in the military, um, but I didn't know that there was music places, musical like things that you could do. Uh, and so um, I did like my graduation national anthem, uh, just small things, you know, while I was in. And then once I got out and went to school, they asked me what I liked. You know, you talk to your, your school counselor or whatever, and they're like, well, what do you like to do? And my first response was music. And they said, oh, yeah, you can major in music. And I had no idea. I'd been out of school for a while and, you know, being in the military for six years. So I'm like, wait a minute, I can study music? And they were like, yeah, <laughs> it, duh. Um, and so it was really great. I was able to study music in school. I studied music and creative writing. Um, and it really helped my skill set in songwriting for other artists. Uh, and then while I was in college, I ended up getting signed to an independent record label. We got to do some incredible stuff, tours and traveling. And, um, and at the time, they had a lead, like a star, you know, a lead guy. And, you know, of course, being young and ignorant, I wanted to be the lead guy. Uh, and they were like, wait your turn. And so I waited my turn. Uh, and then after a while, I was like, all right, my turn has, it should be coming up now, you know? And they're like, nah, not yet. And so we, I realized that um, maybe I'm better off behind the scenes anyways. And I enjoyed doing the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, so after leaving the independent record label, like we kind of just mutual, went our mutual ways. Um, and, uh, and then I graduated and I went back home and I started a, a music company uh, back in San Diego. I was there for five years. Um, started the music company and just started creating songs for a cause. That was my, my sole focus. Create songs with a purpose. And the easiest way for me to do that was to work with nonprofit organizations and attach the song to the nonprofit organization so it could raise awareness for that cause. Um, and it was decently successful, uh, the company was. It, it kept me afloat for five years. Um, but I felt like um, maybe it was I felt like I was I was trying too hard to focus on just one particular niche, just nonprofits and writing songs for a cause, instead of really focusing on just the creation, just just releasing those emotions. Um, so I think what's really awesome is once I started realizing that 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 was the way that that company was going, I dissolved the company, um, and then it was around the same time that we moved out here. And so we move out here and it became like this really like self journey for myself in understanding how I wanted to speak the language of music. And um, yeah, and now I'm here, which is really crazy because now I run this half million dollar free studio that's open to the community, which is really special because I allow the community to recognize that their voice matters. We're in the Southeast area of the city, which is kind of the the lower income area. Uh, and some people in this area feel like, you know, our voices don't matter or we're not being heard. 
And we have a studio that is 100% free so that they can get their voices heard 100% um, without having to pay to get their voices heard, uh, yeah. which is really beautiful. And that's super important. I think yeah. it's very needed too. Yes, very needed. Yeah. Um, and so while I was doing, when I first moved out here, I did this and um, I taught at the Colorado Springs Conservatory. And that was just really special because I was able to teach the students that like, this is how you express your emotions. And use music, absolutely. Use it as the, the catalyst to release those emotions, to share your emotions, to express them, and, uh, and to get things off of your chest, you know? Mm-hmm. So absolutely. It was, it's been really great. Do you have any standout moments from working here that just made you think, wow, music is so transformative and powerful? Absolutely. Um, I almost want to say every day something transformative happens. Like every day reminds me, something happens every day that reminds me of how blessed I am to be here. Like how great of a, of a position it is to have this. Um, there's one particular situation this lady has, I, I can't remember exactly how old she is. I think she's um, late 40s or early 50s. And she came in here and she's singing a song and I'm like, oh, hey, would you, I always challenge people. Like you come in here like, and you do your recordings, like I'm gonna try and get the best out of you, you know? So I'm like, hey, have you done harmonies or anything? And she's just like, no, I can't do harmonies. And I, I don't understand can't. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, no, I can't do harmonies. My, when I was younger, my mom always told me I couldn't do harmonies. Um, and this, she says when she was younger, her mom told her that and that stayed with her until late 40s or early 50s and I'm like I don't understand that what do you mean you can't do harmonies and and so I hear her main line and I and I say okay sing this for me I sing a harmony she responds with the harmony the exact same way that I sung it and I'm like you could do harmony you just did a harmony right there you know um and so what was really special was that I I had to like record her but I took out the main line so she didn't hear herself she just sang the notes that I gave her and when she sang it and then I played them together she heard herself doing a harmony for the first time in her life and she immediately starts crying she picks up her phone she's like I'm sorry I have to call my mom she calls her mom she says mom listen to this she asked me to play it I played it again and she's like mom I did harmonies and I mean it's really great because that was just a really just a two-part harmony a one and a I think it was either a three or a five very simple harmony and now we're at a place where I have her doing like one three five seven like all different types of harmonies and it's really beautiful to see that somebody said that they couldn't do something. I showed them how they can do it. And now they're like advanced level of doing it. And that things like that happen often in here. And it again, it just reminds me so much of, of why it's a blessing to be here. Yeah, and that's really cool too that she was kind of an older lady and she still found out something new about herself. And I think that's something yeah. that a lot of people don't realize like we may be adults but as you grow older there's no reason why you can't learn new things and and grow and grow I tell I tell people all the time like please don't think that I'm better than you at music or anything people come in and they get intimidated they see a full studio and they're just like oh no people are gonna judge me or whatever and I'm like listen I'm not don't think that I'm better than you if you want to think anything think that I'm just a little bit more efficient because I've been doing it for a long time, and so I know how to do certain things a little bit faster. You could do it, it'll just take you a little bit longer to do it because you haven't done it before. And I I think that that really gets 
a lot of people at ease, at a place of ease, because they don't feel judged. They feel like they can come in here, mess up the words, mess up the harmonies, mess up everything, and they can just keep going and still release those emotions. And um, and I'm going to do my best to make sure that they get it right, one, you know, so that it's going to sound good on the back end. Um, but also that they have a good time while doing it and that they're not feeling judged when they do it. And it's just, it's really special. Yeah, that is really amazing. Okay, so let's talk about mindfulness in the studio and how you've used music and your time. Would you say you're a producer? Would, is that what you would call yourself? Yeah, an executive producer. Yeah. Yeah. So how your time as a producer has helped you gain mindfulness. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like music is emotions. It's our emotions and sound. And... I believe that mindfulness is really just uh, being able to focus, like self-focus, you know, understanding who you are, um, being mindful of who you are, recognition. And you can't have recognition if you're focused on everything. You can't have recognition of self if you're focused on everything else. Um, so I think I always think the first step to mindfulness is just breathing, the inhale and the exhale. And when you inhale and exhale, when you exhale the BS, right? That, that's like a saying, exhale the bull. Um, yeah. So when you exhale, I see that exhale in kind of a, a, a two-way thing. One, that exhale is you exhale the bullet, right? Just in and out. Um, but two, the exhale is that musical release. And so when you come into the studio, a lot of people, I don't, I don't know if this is okay to say, but like your mom, right? So your mom, it, she releases in the gym or in the dojo, right? And she goes there, she gives her all. When she's done, she's full drenched of sweat, you know, like she gave her all, she released. Uh, and a lot of people don't have an avenue of release. So if music is something that people want to do, I remind them like, yo, one, like music is a tool to use to release your emotions, like off top, you know? And if you can recognize that, then you're going to approach it in a way that's going to be self-healing. And that is powerful because once people start healing themselves, the world becomes a better place. If, if they're... Yes, broken people, broken crowns still color, right? So broken people is okay. It's okay to be broken, but it's not okay to be broken while trying to break somebody else. You know, so if you're broken, that's fine. Everybody's broken in a traumatic world, in the toxic world that we live in, in the society that we live in. There's, it's very, it's very rare for somebody to be whole, to not be broken by something that society has done to them, or something that they did to themselves within the parameters of society. Um, so because of that, we all need an outlet. We all need a release. And people try and think that drugs or alcohol or partying or or getting out of your mind is the release. And that's not the release, you know, because everything is still bottled up in your soul inside of your body. And you got to you have to really release it. You got to sweat it out. You got to grind it out. You got to get it out of your mind and um, I believe that that's what music does, and I say that I believe that because uh, I have firsthand accounts, like not just of me, but of mostly, you know, a, I'd say 75% of the people that come through here that receive that message, like they start recognizing that and they just come in and release. And it's just a really beautiful thing, the, the way that music and mindfulness work together. Uh, the way that you can release certain emotions is like, gosh, it's it's so self-healing. It's, I don't know. 
it's really beautiful. Yeah, it brings you into your body. Yeah, sure. yeah, and it's like it's hard to explain to the the actual feeling of it when th that feeling of elation of of like relief, like oh, I just I just purged all of the emotions. You know, I've been fighting with my mom for the last three weeks, and I finally came into the studio and let it all out. You know, like mm -hmm. that's a great feeling for the person that's able to to purge those emotions. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really powerful thing. And yeah. music is something that I've also really leaned on in my life. So I could just imagine being the person to help others create music. Yeah. That's such a, a cool, special thing. It's very special. Yeah. And cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said before, the theme for this month is change your world. Yeah. Um, let's discuss a little bit of your world and how you've changed it for the better. Okay. Well, I was a, I wasn't who I am now, like four years ago, even as early as four years ago. Um, being out of the military, dealing with the, the stressors of, of PTSD or dealing with just, you know, life things happen and, and because life happens, again, you want to to run away from situations and with if you don't have a relief, right, or a release. Um, and while I did music back then because I was so focused while I was in California, I was so focused on like one particular lane, all right, songs for a cause, I didn't really have my own release of music. And because I didn't have my release, you know, now I'm self-sabotaging. Now I'm doing all of these things that are, I'm trying to, trying to make myself not think of all the things that are going on. Um, and so I was in a really bad place. I drank a lot, as most military members do. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't say that I was an alcoholic, but I was a heavy drinker. Um, and that's just not a good place to be if, you, if you're trying to be mindful. Uh, and so uh, I remember there was, a, there was some times where I was just like, gosh, like, am I not doing enough? My business, even though I was surviving on my business, like I wanted to thrive, I wanted to stun, I wanted to showcase like all this stuff. Um, and, you know, whenever you feel like you're not doing what you should be doing, you feel that depressive state come into mind and all of these, these negative thoughts and negative feelings. And there was a, a really big incident that happened with our family. So I moved back to San Diego and uh, I lived in like our family home, you know, but my mom had left. And so it was just the, my siblings and I in our family home. It's a really nice five bedroom home in San Diego, really great area. Um, and my grandparents were like, hey, you know, we wanna sell the house, you guys wanna sell it. We're like, no, not at all. You know, I have my company, my sister's doing her, um, She's a she wrote uh, children's books. So she was doing that and like, we're like, no, like we're grinding right now, you know, and we're paying, you know, mortgage insurance and all those things. Um, but they just asked if we wanted to sell it and they thought we're like no and then they said okay cool Well, you guys come and let's sign the paperwork so we could will it to you guys and that way we don't have to worry about it Awesome sign the paperwork everything was good and then uh, One random day a guy knocks on our door and he's just like oh, I didn't know anybody lived here um, I just bought this house. So you guys have 60 days to, to vacate the premises Wow, um, yeah, and so we were really confused like 
what my sister calls our grandparents she's like hey we have this guy and my grandpa my grandfather was just like yep yeah we sold it we just we couldn't tell you guys um like well we know now <laughs> you know what i mean this guy told us would have been better coming from you but you know um whatever uh so we had 60 days to get all of our stuff in order and i don't really think any of us were at a place to where we were in order and because of that, uh, when the 60 days happened, um, there was five siblings that lived in the house. Three of us automatically were homeless. Um, and it was really tough. I was homeless for 92 days. Um, and out of that 92 days, I remember uh, I had a couch to sleep on. Like my, my girlfriend, um, her parents let me sleep on their couch, which was super generous. And after a little while, they're like, all right, buddy, you can't be here no more. You know what I mean? So then my brother opened up his, his um, spot and let me sleep on his couch. Um, and then there was a couple of days, two days, that I slept in my car. Uh, and it was during that time, literally, that during that 92 days, um, that I was just, I remember, I went from my girlfriend's parents house to my brother's house to the car and I was back at my girlfriend's parents house they said you can come back it was probably like one of the last weeks that I was homeless um and I remember sitting on their couch it was right before I was going to bed and I had this thought of gosh like why is this happening to me blah 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 like feeling sorry for myself that whole thing and I just I sat up I was laying down and I sat up and I just started thinking about it I was like wait a minute like right down the street in San Diego there's a bad homeless population and I'm like there's homeless people but they don't have a car to sleep in they don't have somebody's couch to sleep on they don't have multiple people's couches to sleep on and from that moment I told myself focus every day focus on something that you are grateful for like literally be grateful for everything that you have and stop being ungrateful for the things you don't have you know, whatever you do have is going to multiply. Whatever you don't have is if it comes to you. Awesome. If it doesn't, then you're not missing it because I'm not worried about it. I'm only grateful for the things that I have. Um, and this is literally today, um, 1,550 days ago that I sat up and had that thought. And so since then, I have been extremely intentional about focusing on what I am grateful for. And I have like this little mantra that I say uh, with that. And it's just a it's a really powerful thing. And so if you think about it, 1500 and 1550 days ago is um, four years. Yeah, you know, so four years ago, I was homeless. And uh, last January, which is a year ago, I bought my first house. And That's crazy. That's yeah. the amount of time that passed. Exactly. Like, it's a very short amount of time yeah. to to grow from homeless to homeowner. Mm -hmm. And, like, I didn't... I think the crazy thing is I didn't buy just a regular house. I bought a house that was bigger than my five-bedroom house in San Diego. Like, bigger in size and in bedrooms. Like, I have a six-bedroom house. Mm -hmm. And... To see that, like, oh, I focus on, on mindfulness and gratitude every single day now, even more so because I see the benefits of it. Like, oh my gosh, like, if I had nothing and was grateful for nothing, and now I have a six-bedroom house, and I'm grateful for the six-bedroom house, where am I going to be at in five years from now? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's a really special thing, and to recognize that 
that it's from being mindful, it's from being focused on the things that I have, uh, that I feel like that even led me to uh, managing the studio. Yeah, absolutely. So. So it's, it's incredible how just recognizing our everyday lives and the good things that we have, even if they seem, you know, run-of-the-mill normal, yep. Yep. it's it's a game changer Yeah, for sure. It's wild. Things that are so normal for us are major luxuries for somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, things that we're struggling with are somebody is dreaming to have a little bit of that struggle. Mm -hmm. And I think that just focusing on that, recognizing that, understanding that there's always going to be somebody that has more and there's always going to be some like way more and there's always going to be somebody that has way less. Like never get too high or too low on, I can't get too high or too low on myself. I have to just kind of stay balanced and, and that's what's really helped me. Yeah. So do you have any advice for people who are just starting out and they want to make that change in their life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first thing that I started doing was writing a personal mantra, something that I can tell myself every day that I believe in and that is significant to me. Um, and so I wrote out, my day begins and ends with gratitude. My mind, body, and soul sing in harmony and live in balance. I live in a loving universe that responds to me. Wealth flows and my actions create constant prosperity. I am aligned with the energies of abundance and peace. Nothing can stop me, not even me, because my day begins and ends with gratitude. And writing that out and saying that, again, uh, 1,550 days consecutively, and I say it multiple times a day, like, I don't say it just once, like, if I'm getting into a, a little tit for tat, or, or somebody has like a little riff with me or something, like, before I allow my emotions to take over, because we're all emotional beings, and there's nothing wrong with expressing our emotions, we just want to make sure that we express them in a way that's not going to hurt somebody else. So before I allow myself to get there, all right, excuse me, give me a minute. I'll walk away, say that mantra, and then I'm coming back and my mind is like clear. Obviously now after, you know, 1500 plus days, I can say it and like I can get myself into that state of, of mindfulness and that conscious state of I can approach you with um, with loving kindness versus approaching you in, a, in an emotional way that now I'm gonna attack your character. Anybody that's starting off, I would say, under understand who you are and the words that are going to vibrate with your soul once you understand that write words out write a little mantra and just practice that mantra every day and and that's the only way like people don't recognize how powerful our words are you know um it's really wild if just like this lady that i was talking about right she's early late 40s early 50s but when she was a little kid her mom said you can't do harmonies you can't do harmonies you can't do harmonies you can't do harmonies if somebody tells you every day that you can't do harmonies you're never going to do harmonies you're never going to believe that you can and so if you tell you if somebody tells you that but if you tell yourself if you just write in your little mantra i could do harmonies i could do harmonies i could do harmonies you're going to be the harmony king or harmony queen of the world, you know, like just because you know that that's you. And of course, you're going to say those and then you're going to work on them to build it up and, and to strengthen it. But like once you start telling yourself something, I heard this uh, thing that my wife said and she said, all it takes is one person to believe in you. 
just one person. And me, I love that idea. I believe that that one person could be you. And if you're the one person that believes in yourself, then that's all you need. And so in a sense, that statement is still true. All you need is one person. But if you make that person you, gosh, how powerful can we become as individuals, as as human beings in in living the life that we want to live, you know, and, yeah. and in being mindful and in being um, conscious of what's going on around us, you know, and, and still making sure that we're not doing bad or doing harm to others, you know, that I think that's a great life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that daily mantra, it's a great way to rewire the stories we tell ourselves because yeah. like that woman you mentioned, she had one phrase at one point in her life and it stuck with her yeah. all the way into her 40s or 50s. Yep. And so when we have those little moments of reassurance to ourselves, like I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, it rewires your brain and there's yep. scientific evidence behind scientific that as well. Scientific evidence, yeah. exactly. And it's amazing. It's so powerful and I wish more people knew how incredibly transformative it can be to just rewire the way you phrase things to yourself. Yeah. Yep. Speak kinder words to yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know how I many people self-sabotage? Just damage themselves because it's what they know. It's what they're... It, what I don't like is that our society, it, it uses that to its advantage to really damage individuals. So, like... Right now, a popular thing, it's really wild to me, a popular thing that people say to themselves when something's funny, oh my gosh, I'm dead. <laughs> like, no. And people say that around me, I'm like, what do you mean you're full of life? Like, And that's yeah. my response to them because we are full of life. But the words that we use, regardless of the context, the words are still powerful words. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a study by Dr. Um, Yamoto, um, Nakamoto, I can't remember his last name right now, um, but he, he wrote this book on it, The Power of Water, um, and I can't remember if that was the name of the book either. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so he wrote this book about doing this scientific research on water. He would say a word to water and he would freeze the water the moment he spoke the word. He would say words like ugly, hate, deceit, you know, all these ugly words, and the water would be like little blobs. It'd be you know, ice crystals would be like little blobs, unformed, things like that. But then he would say words like love, peace, harmony, joy, you know? And the word, the water, when it froze, it would be like beautiful snowflakes. And so then you think, you see that scientific research, and then you remember from our own science classes being, you know, in school, in high school, our bodies are made of 70% water, right? So if you correlate those two together, Imagine when you say words to yourself that are damaging, it's putting your water in this in this like like uncomfortable position. The water in your body is like in this uncomfortable type of state. You start speaking good words, it becomes calm, cool, maybe even forms ice crystals if it gets cold enough, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's really wild to think that scientifically we can prove that speaking kinder words to ourselves, speaking life to ourselves is beneficial for our overall health. Mm -hmm. And yet people don't think that or people don't believe it or people don't even practice it because it's not a common practice amongst today's toxic society. Yeah. 
And do you have any thoughts on how we can kind of reframe things as a society and maybe build up more of a culture of being kinder to ourselves? Do you see that building up currently? I do. Um, and I, I see that because part of what I'm doing is trying to build that, is mm-hmm. trying to have, um, like in music, right? So the music now isn't just cause-based. Now the music is society-based. And so we're actually releasing a song um, on March 30th called More Than Beauty. So people can get past the external, you know, like stop focusing on on what people are saying beauty is. And once we start looking at who we are, who we truly are on the inside, because this little container, right, like all the, all our bodies are is containers for the soul. That's it. It's, it's like a Tupperware that's holding a piece of chicken. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. you're not eating the Tupperware. You're not looking at the Tupperware. You want the chicken that's on the inside, you know, or slice of pizza or whatever is inside the Tupperware that you like. But people aren't seeing what's inside. People are seeing the Tupperware and thinking, oh, this is so amazing. This is so great. You're you got the best Tupperware out here. But like the food inside is moldy and it's bad. And and so I think now because that's like a a large bulk of our society, um, it's important that the music that I release is is countering societal norm. Mm-hmm. And that's the societal norm. So this song that we're working on, um, it's with a high school student, too. She's a 17-year-old high school student. Um, this is going to be her first song release. And it, it's really special in a lot of ways. Um, but more so because we have two high school kids on this song. And the whole message behind it is you're more than your beauty. You're more than your looks. You're more than this physical facade that you like portraying, you know, and um, it's it's really special. So how we can do it is just continuing to spread the message, continually spreading the message of uh, self-worth, you know, reminding people that they're worthy regardless of if they have Jordans or not, you know, (laughs) reminding them that they're worthy regardless of if they have an iPhone or not. Like nothing makes us beautiful. Nothing makes us worthy um, other than the value of of our soul, the value of who we are and the value that we're able to provide other people. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any advice for burgeoning musicians? Musicians speak a different language. And because of that, some feel like they're better than other people, right? Because they speak a different language. Uh, And with music being kind of a universal language, it's like, oh, I can talk to everybody, you know? And and so some have that that ego mentality with it. Um, So my first advice for anybody doing music is make sure we drop that. because just because we speak a language that somebody else doesn't speak doesn't mean that that they can't understand us or that we can't understand them. Um, communication is still key, and we just find different ways of communicating with each other to get our points our points across, um, you know, in in a good way. Um, also, you know, music is is a difficult industry to get into. Uh, it, on average, it takes about 10 years to become, to get to a place where you are sustainable in music. Uh, and I'll even say, even for me, it's, it's kind of been the same. Um, I was sustainable maybe a little bit after college, but again, you know, I had my old company and I'm sustaining, but I'm not like thriving. I'm like 
I'm surviving and mm-hmm. it's okay because like I'm doing what I love and, and it's perfectly fine. And as long as, you know, young musicians or young artists feel that way, awesome. Keep the grind going, you know? Uh, however, there's going to be times um, where the roads are going to get a little bit more rocky, you know? And if you're not, if you don't have like the, the, the passion, you know, uh, then just don't do it, you know, like do create music for the love of creating music, not because you want to get rich, because you're not going to get rich, not for a long time. Okay, like just straight up. Um, that's that's 10 years down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been doing music for just about 13 years now, like professionally. Yeah. You know, so I'm at a place where, okay, I'm I'm at a good place right now, you know. Um, but you asked me five years ago, I'm not at this same place you know what i'm saying like it's it's a grind and you have to keep grinding all the time be willing to do other jobs you know be willing to wear multiple hats be willing to do stuff for free or for cheap you know to continue uh showcasing your skill set continue practicing you know how many musicians like Here's the here's the thing about the music industry, and this is the this is the craziest part. A lot of people think that you know they gotta hone their skills, do and and create the best songs. Yes, you do. Unfortunately, creating your songs is what a lot of people think is the hard part. Creating good songs, good hit songs, right? They think that's the hard part. But that's any creation. The creative aspect of it should be the easiest part of what you do with your music. Once you create it, now you have your product. What are you going to do with your product? How are you going to sell your product? How are you going to um, make your your stuff marketable? How are you going to eat off of the products that you have? People don't fully understand that. People aren't willing to um, even test their own limits or boundaries. They want to stay within their own bubble. I'm a rap artist and that's all I am. Like, okay, if you're just a rap artist, there's still other ways to supplement, you know, making an income other than just being a hardcore rapper creating your own songs, right? So if you're a rap artist and you're trying to find other ways of making money, why don't you go to some local companies and say, hey, let me do a a rap jingle for your company. Make an, an easy $250 for the first few that you do. Now you have a good little library of jingles that you've done. Now you package that up correctly and sell it to big corporations, not just local companies. Now you sell these same wraps that you were doing for $250 for $2,500 because you're selling them to corporations versus selling them to local um, local companies. And so there's a lot of different ways that artists can can go about making a living off of their artistry. Um, So I would tell any burgeoning musician, um, expand your uh, arenas in which you can pull in um, a monetary value from your art. And a lot of people just think one track, just one lane. And there's so many different lanes as a musician. And that's a rapper, right? So if you're a musician, if you play the guitar, you can do a guitar jingle for a company. You can, you know what I mean? You can do yeah, a, right? a guitar jingle for a corporation. You can do all sorts of stuff. You can go to the radio station and just 
and like, hey, let me do your, you know, 92.5. You know what I'm saying? Like things like that, right? And there's a lot of ways that people, that artists can make a living off of their art, off of their creation. But they, a lot of people think just in this one track mind. And so any young artists like understand that the creative part, the, your product is the easiest part, the hard work comes in selling that to other people and make sure that you find other ways of of monetizing your work and don't just sell it to one place yeah that's great advice yeah um okay so that pretty much wraps up everything that i had for you um i really appreciate you coming and sitting down with me to chat um what's next for you before we uh, sign off so I currently run the studio and I'm also a music executive at Anthem Music Enterprises. Um, and again, through Anthem is where we're releasing the, the song on March 30th called More Than Beauty. Um, but we also are the, we're currently the largest vocal sample, we have the largest vocal sample catalog in the state of Colorado. And all that means is um, uh, if you hear like a song and there's like vocals on the song, there's like producers that come to us for vocals. We have over a thousand vocals that producers purchase and use a part of their production. And these producers are literally all over the globe. Um, and so in terms of what's next, uh, we have a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Um, we have new venues opening up out here in, in Colorado Springs and downtown. Um, that'll be we have one opening up in May. Um, we we're looking at May one for the opening, but it could be a little bit later. Um, uh, we have um, some music coalitions coming together so that we could build a really strong music culture for the city, uh, and I think that's the most important thing in a city that doesn't have a music culture established. We have incredible talent spread out all over the city. You know, from the Colorado Springs Conservatory uh, to to this library here to 21C, there is talent like spread out and they're all kind of like in different pockets and they all come to different locations at certain times. But we wanna be able to say, hey, this is a hub, you know? And Colorado Springs really has, almost, we're almost like the, the Austin, you know? Austin is the live music capital of the world. Um, and I remember I was at a meeting yesterday and somebody was just like, you know, how can we be like Austin? And one guy answered, he was just like, we're like Austin, 100% we're like Austin, um, but people don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. It's and building so that it's community. It's building that community so that people know it, so that when somebody says, if you if you ask your friends tonight, hey, what's popping? where can I go for good live music tonight? People are gonna be like, mm, I don't know, maybe the Black Sheet, maybe this place. There's no like solid answer. We wanna be able to give people a solid answer. Here, go here. And at that place, you'll find everything. Yeah, I love that. And as someone who's been raised in Colorado Springs, that's definitely something we need here. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that from a native. Yeah. (laughs) It's perfect. Yeah, it's definitely because like if I'm ever going to a concert, I'm usually going up to Denver. Exactly. So if it was in town, that would be amazing. And the the new venue that's being built right now downtown is um, it's we're looking at some really awesome things to bring in national acts. So that way people don't have to go up to Denver anymore. They can just stay here in their city. And I'm sure Denver will have... Red Rocks is a great 
is a great spot to Nothing go to. Nothing can top show, Red you know? Rocks. We, let's so, not kid yeah, ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you go to <laughs> Red Rocks for thing. those yeah. because they're nice big shows there, you yeah. know? Um, even the Pepsi Center is really great, right? Mm-hmm. But if you if we could get something really dope at the World Arena um, and now at this new venue downtown, it's going to be really, Yeah, really even like nice. something like the Globe Hall, like in Denver, which is exactly. a smaller venue. Yep. If we had something like that yep. in Colorado Springs. And national acts could come through. Right. And so that's what's going to happen downtown this year. I love that. So that's, that's so really exciting. exciting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have those things in the pipeline, and um, and we're really excited because we we recognize that with what we're doing, uh, by the top of twenty one, by the beginning of two thousand and twenty one, the culture will be established here, and that's all we need, mm-hmm. you know, because once we establish the culture, now the the population starts migrating to where that culture is mm-hmm. you know and and we get to have an influence on the music here in the city and it's just really special yeah that is really amazing so where can the good people of podcast land find you yeah. in your work <laughs> awesome um so i am on instagram again my first name is terry josiah i know you you said it earlier um so you can just find me on instagram underscore terry josiah underscore um, and then if you want to look for some of the business stuff, you can look at everything and the music enterprises. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, I think. I don't know. I don't run all those pages, but <laughs> all that stuff is up there. And the music enterprises and uh, Terry Josiah. Great. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Stories from Planet Earth. If you have some time, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Find us on Instagram at SFPE Podcasts. I'll talk to you next week. place a wager with William Hill Sportsbook. Every sports moment becomes even more interesting. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill mobile app. And when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code radio RF. Must be present in Virginia. 21 plus only. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.